While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. We're also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. Tonight we've got a good show for you. Uh, I've got open phone lines uh, for most of the program, but at 8 o'clock, and Chris will be back tomorrow, by the way, for people that might... um, uh, uh, Yeah, Chris... Chris, um, Chris will be back tomorrow. Um, so we've got a good show for you. Uh, at eight o'clock, a candidate will make an announcement. Uh, a can a ward three resident in New Bedford will make an announcement that they're running, or exp- or maybe thinking about running for the seat that is uh, going to be vacated by Ward Three City Councilor Hugh Dunn. That's at 8 o'clock. So if you're not familiar with the story, basically a a few weeks ago, November 4th it was, the Friday before the statewide elections, Hugh Dunn came on with Chris and me here on South Coast tonight and announced he'd be resigning. Uh, The reasons he cited were he's got expanding responsibilities at uh, a personal injury firm in Boston and, uh, you know, his job has uh, high demands for commuting and all of that. And he's relocating to Boston uh, to focus on that practice, uh, the personal injury practice in Boston. So he, a few days later, sent a letter into Dennis Farias, the clerk, and the, the city clerk. And he said uh, that his resignation would be effective uh, on midnight at December uh, um, on December third. So that's going to trigger a special election. Now, if you'll remember, uh, I got I, I had Mayor Mitchell on last week, and I was talking to Mayor Mitchell, and I said, uh, I you know we're just kind of casually talking about the Ward Three election. Off air, and he had mentioned that he had saw the dates um, that were selected, and one of them being uh, January 24th and February 28th for a preliminary and special election. Now, keep in mind, Council Dunn's leaving on December 3rd. It's an incredibly quick turnaround <laughs> for an election. Um, I it might even be quicker because Hugh Dunn got elected the same way. So it might even be a quicker turnaround than. Um, 
than 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 Hughes, if I remember if I remember correctly. It might even even be a quicker turnaround. So you're going to need someone who knows. There's got to be someone who knows what they're doing uh, in order to campaign successfully for that seat to get the name ID that they need, unless they have some built-in name ID already. So that election's happening. Actually, tomorrow is when the city council is going to order that special election. And after they do, um, they're going to pick those two dates. Uh, they have no reason not to. And I, I asked Ian when he was on city council president, Ian Abreu, when he was on, if those are the dates that, that they're going to pick, he said, those are the dates. Um, basically there's no reason to not select those dates. So it's going to be January 24th for a preliminary election. That means when there's six people, I mean, not six people, there were six people last time. That means when there were more than there, I think there's going to be six people is what I meant to say. I think there's going to be like six or seven people. But basically, it means when there's more than two people, the field winnows down. They winnow the field down to two people, and then there's a general election. Last time, honestly, it was the preliminary was so was such a blowout that they shouldn't have even bothered, but they did. So there are a few candidates that I know have. Uh, Express some intention to run, and I've spoken with them. You can find the you can find like at least one of theirs, uh, one of those can, uh, potential candidates. Um, my latest uh, one of my columns last week on WBSM.com, the one that has the dates for the special election, a lot of the details. So um, that's going to be at eight o'clock uh, in the interim. Open phone lines, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Just want to recap what uh, over the weekend, there were two turkey drives that I knew of, that I know of. There could have been more, but these are the two that I knew of. There were two turkey drives in New Bedford. Um, one of one of them, uh, actually, on Friday, you heard Ian Abreu come on to, uh, to promote, and uh, that one was at the Kilburn Mill. He said they sold out very, very quickly uh, of the... Um, they sold out of those, not sold out because they gave them away, but they ran out of those turkeys very, very quickly. And same thing in Ward 3. I know uh, City Council Hugh Dunn was there. Uh, in Ward 3, um, there was uh, Chief Oliveira was there. And um, it was a uh, Joey, a uh, Warwick, Rhode Island resident, New Bedford native, who had given out over 250 uh, turkeys. I think over the weekend between Rhode Island and New Bedford, but it was a lot of turkeys and coats that they had given out. So it was, I mean, you know, of two minds of that, like it's obviously heartening that people are willing to give that much of their time and their resources out to those who may need it more. But it's also, I think in a lot of ways, a sign of the times that there's so many people that are, there's so many people that are, in need of a turkey dinner or a turkey or a coat that they're able to basically um, sell out of, of everything they have. So, but, um, you know, I hope you got your turkey. Thanksgiving is this Thursday. Can't believe it crept up on us like that. So just a couple production notes too. Uh, I will not be here Thursday. Neither will Chris and I don't think anybody's going to be here on Friday, which would include Chris and me. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 
we, I mean, Monday, sorry, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday we're, uh, is, is is what you get from WPSM this week. And also, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week is what you're, is going to be Chris and I's schedule because Thursday the Pats are playing uh, the Bills, which is the biggest game of the year. And, of course, we're the number one uh, home for the Bills uh, for South Coast and um, over the year. So they'll be playing the Bills game. So Chris and I will have the night off. Friday, Chris and I are going to a social engagement. Jack Spillane will be filling in. So you heard Jack Spillane on, last, uh, on Friday, this past Friday, which I thought was a really good segment. We covered a lot of ground. He's going to be in next Friday, filling in for Chris and I while Chris and I uh, go to a social engagement. And Thursday, of course, um, there'll be no South Coast tonight because the Pats are playing over the airwaves. When the Pats play, we're the number one home here for, for the Pats on the South Coast. And so you get to listen to the game. I actually got to listen to, because I was on my way to somewhere else towards the end of the game. So, and it was in, just an incredibly maddeningly boring game throughout the uh, entire whatever it was, 59 minutes and 40 seconds. (laughs) So I got my car. I obviously always have WBSM on. I have the FM signal 99.5, but you can go 1420 AM or 99.5 FM, whatever. Or you can go to the app, you know, or live stream on WBSM.com. I think I got my plugs in. So um, I was driving and I heard it over the radio that punt return in the last twenty seconds of the game when they punted it to the when the the Jets like stupidly punted it to the guy in the last twenty seconds of the game and so I didn't see it but I heard it and I'm like oh my god it's incredible so it was kind of a cool experience you know it's kind of a cool way to experience like a pivotal moment in the game so if you're ever like watching the game and you need to and you need to you know you need to go somewhere and it can't wait rest assured. You can listen to the Pats on 99.5 FM or 14:20 AM. We have it. And so I was able to, you know, get off, you know, get off get off the couch, get in the car, drive, and I didn't miss a minute. I didn't miss a minute. And it was kind of cool hearing that over the air and visualizing it, you know, and then get to see it later uh as opposed to just seeing it live then. I thought I thought it was really neat. So 508-996 0500 is how you can get in the program next week too. I know you heard um, Sheriff Hodgson on with Jess earlier. Next week, by the way, we're going to have uh, Paul Haro on the sheriff elect. So we haven't had a chance. You know, he called in the day after the election, but we haven't had a chance to like sit down, have a long form conversation with him about you know what his plans are. And I know a lot of that's going to include. Well, I got to see the books first, you know, basically I got to see everything, but he knows, you know, he knows the things that he definitely wants to do and definitely doesn't want to do. Um, you know, he's def- definitely got a list of that. So we're going to have him on. And most importantly, you're going to get to talk to him because he's going to be your sheriff for the next six years um, and er- starting in early January. So he's going to be in here. You get to call in and ask him some questions. Obviously, Chris and I will have some questions for him. It's going to be a major change, you know, for 25 years. Um, again, so, you know, I heard the sheriff today. I, I reached out to, to, to Sheriff-elect Hero and I said, you know, do you want to come in? Come in? He's like, of course. So he's going to be in a week from today on Monday at 7 p.m. 
probably till I would say probably till nine. Um, you know, if we can, if he's got that much time, but definitely till eight. And you get to call in and talk to him at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program. So that's basically what we've got. We've got another Ward 3 uh, candidate on tomorrow. We've got uh, uh, Sean Oliver. He's he's announced, I think, on Facebook. He's going to be on Barry's show um, during the day just for a brief introduction. And then he's going to sit down with Chris and I and have more of a long-form conversation. We have a candidate that's just calling in to announce tonight at Ward 3. I'd encourage everybody who wants to run for the Ward 3 City Council to call in to South Coast tonight like the candidates at 8 o'clock. Call in and announce, you know. I guarantee a good a great, uh, a good deal of your electorate is, turn, is tuning in to WBSM, right? When I ran the, ward, the last competitive Ward 3 City Council campaign... WBSM, and this is before I worked here, WBSM played a critical role in our strategy. Bought, we bought a lot of ads here. I mean, ton of ads. We bought a ton of ads here. They played all the time. Um, we had a debate here with, um, there was a, well, we didn't have the debate. WBSM had a debate here in the general election. It was actually during this time slot. And, um, you know, when uh, someone on WBSM asked to have, you know, the candidate in, which was Hugh, we always agreed. So that's what's in store for <laughs> that's what's in store for you guys this week. And on Wednesday, we're going to have Anthony Puente, who is a New Bedford firefighter. He's going to give us some fire safety tips on uh, on Wednesday, just before the holiday, which I think is really important. People really like that segment. So 508 996 500 is how you can get on the program. That was just some housekeeping slash production notes type of stuff. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to take a break and we get back. There's something I want to talk, you know, there's a, there was a, uh, there was a major milestone in my career recently that I celebrated the anniversary of, but it's pertinent to a lot of people here in Massachusetts. So I want to talk a little bit about it. So I'm going to take a break, and then we'll be right back. Guess 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. So Chris McCarthy will be back uh, tomorrow. He'll be joining us tomorrow. Uh, tonight, again, I'll have a candidate who is announcing uh, their candidacy for the Ward 3 City Council seat. Um, and, I again, I encourage anybody who wants to make an announcement to do it here on South Coast tonight. Give us a call, uh, really, any time. I mean, this this particular candidate reached out to me and wanted to make the announcement here. Happy to do it. I want anybody that wants to make that announcement to feel free to reach out to me, and we can do it here, and uh, it'll be great. So 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about this because I know we have lawyers that listen to the show and, uh, you know, and obviously I'm I'm a lawyer and, and you know that about me. And people always ask me not legal questions per se, but questions pertaining to, you know, the becoming a lawyer, like how do you do it? What's the process and all that other stuff. But I noticed that yesterday was the eighth year anniversary of me 
officially swearing in to the bar, um, I had saw that pop up, you know, on your old photos, you know, you, those, those apps that you use for, for, you know, for memories and all that stuff. So I, and I'd gotten some texts from, uh, from, from my mother cause she had had some pictures in her phone that had popped up too from, uh, from eight years ago. And I just remember, and I, and I, I've seen a lot today, uh, and throughout the last week that there are friends of mine and friends of mine who have relatives that were just sworn in to the Massachusetts bar. And to them, I say like, congratulations, because I know how much, how difficult that can be. Um, Because it's around now where you finally get to enter your profession in a meaningful and effective way. Um, For people who don't know, I mean, people generally know the gist of it, but for people who don't know, law school is about three years. If you do full time, if you do part time, it's about five. Um, it's hard. <laughs> it's a lot of reading. There's a lot of reading. And uh, after you finish law school, after your third year or 3L, they call it a 3L year. There's 1L, 2L, and 3L. Um, I suppose if you do 4 or 5, it's 4 or 5L. But they, after your 3L year, you pivot right into bar prep. And bar prep takes about, I mean, it's basically your entire summer. You spend... I don't know. Some people say they spent 10 hours a day. I typically spent like six to maybe eight hours a day doing bar prep. So basically taking everything you learned in the last three years and condensing it into, you know, this, you know, basically reminding yourself of it and condensing it into like easily memorable sort of, um, packages so that you can recall it in the bar exam and take it. I mean, honestly, what I always say to people who are trying to be a lawyer is to take, there's a, there's two, there's basically, there's two elements of a, there's two elements of the bar exam. There is the first day, which is now I know it's changed a little bit because it's uniform bar exam, but it's more or less the same. There's the first day, which is multiple choice. And that's three hours in the morning, 100 questions, three hours in the afternoon, 100 questions. Uh, there's the next day, which is essay, which is three hours in the morning uh, of, I think, five essays, three hours in the afternoon, which I think are five essays as well. So I always say to people who are aspiring or in law school or finishing up, I always say, do the multiple questions, practice those until you pass out. Practice those nonstop because that's where the battles won or lost. You know how to write an essay, basically. You know, you've written essays, you know, a hundred times at least if you're in law school because that's all you, that's all the exams are is writing essays pretty much. But multiple choice are different because those questions are always super ambiguous. I always say one is right. One, so you, you get like four or five options. And I always say it's always one is definitely wrong, right? Two, is probably wrong. There's another one that's definitely right, but then there's another one that could be more right. <laughs> and that's pretty much where most of the answers are. And then you've got some where, you know, you you know the answer because you might have seen it in a practice test or you know the answer uh, or you don't know the answer at all and you're just completely guessing, but most of those questions are in the middle. One's right, one's more right, and you got to pick them. So I always say 
do the multiple choice until you pass out. But either way, you've got to pivot right into to bar prep, which is about, like I said, about two months. The end of July is when people take the bar exam. You can either take it in Massachusetts. In Boston, uh, I took it at the convention center. I stayed at the Weston Waterfront Hotel. I don't know if... Um, I don't know if that's still, uh, that's, I'm pretty sure where it is at the end of July. And then there's another one that's, um, in Western mass, which I think is at Wenick. A lot of people do the Western mass one because it's a lot more relaxing. I guess there's fewer people, but I did the one in Boston. So after you do the bar exam, which is about a, what, um, it's a, tw- it's a 12 hour exam cause it's three hours in the morning, hour break, three hours in the afternoon. It's about a, you're doing 12 hours of test taking. You got to wait around basically for three, four months. You got to wait around till the end of uh, end of October to find out whether or not you passed or failed. Which is the worst part about the entire process is that waiting around because some people have jobs. Some people get jobs that are bar contingent, right? Some people get jobs that are what are called bar contingent jobs, which means like if you were like one of the more notable bar contingent jobs is working at a DA's office, right? So you could work at a DA's office under what's called, I think, Rule 303, which means you can practice under under the direct supervision of someone with a license, but they have to be there at all times, right? You can't just let, you can't just, there's got to be someone there that has a license that's supervising you the whole time. So you can do that under what's called Rule 303, and you can do that until you get your bar, um, until you get your bar license, uh, your bar passage in which case you can start having a bit more autonomy or it's not bar conti- or you know or you could fail the bar and then you have to then you get fired you have to let they have to let you go because it's bar contingent and they don't have time to you know wait for you some people do some law firms do um but a lot of the times if you get a job that's bar contingent they're assuming you're going to pass and if you don't pass then you get fired so waiting around for two months or you just can't get a job uh which was more or less what I was doing. I was doing some like odd jobs uh, for the for those two month two three months. I tried getting jobs at the time. It was a bad market, right? It was a it was 2014. It was just a bad job market for lawyers for whatever reason. I think it's easier now, but I'm not sure. But it's a bad job market for lawyers. So at the time, I was just kind of doing odd jobs until I got my bar passage. In which case, then I started my own practice. But it was difficult. But once you get once you get that notice on October, then you've got to wait another month. <laughs> then you've got to wait another month. And after that, you know, you have to wait even longer just to get your bar card. But I remember when I got my, I remember the day that I got my letter. So what happened was I knew the letters were starting to go out. I had heard that the board of bar examiners had sent the letters out to everybody. And I was just, waiting because you know the people that you know friends i had in law school that lived up in the boston area they had i had seen them posting on their status like such and such esquire i finally did it so i'm seeing a bunch of people that i lived that lived in the the suburbs of boston already got their letters before i did so i'm just kind of (laughs) waiting so i had to wait around uh for two days basically i knew like two days later i'd get the letter and then i had heard somebody else didn't get their letter who lived in my area so I ran out to the guy that was, uh, I ran out, so I, I heard about that. I'm like, oh my God, people aren't actually not getting their letters today. I literally can't wait another day. I'm going to lose my mind. So I ran out to the, to the, <laughs> I ran out to the mailman 
and I said to the the mailman, I said, um, "Hey, uh, can I go? If something got sent out to me, can I can I go get it if it hasn't come in yet?" <laughs> He's like, "What? Can I can I intercept a piece of mail that's intended for me, <laughs> and can I just bring it home and read it?" Like, it's my mail. Can I just go get it? Some, it's got to be somewhere. You know where it is, right? He's like, no, you you have to wait for your mail like everybody else. And then he hands me a stack of envelopes. And one of them is the from the board of bar examiners. So I'm like, oh, God. So I'm walking in. I'm like, I'm walking into the best or the worst moment of my life. And I throw the other mail on the, fl- the the ground. I open up the envelope. I see the first words, congratulations. And I just throw the envelope in the air. And I'm like, yes, yes. It was amazing. It was an incredible day. Now you just get an email, which I guess is cool. I kind of like the, I guess the, I like the email for the quick delivery and like, I don't know, slow and I mean, quick and painless. But looking back on it, I think the drama of getting the uh, getting the snail mail, I think, was a little bit better, um, albeit uh, albeit mildly more traumatizing. But I remember I was like, I got to wait another month just to get my license, just to get sworn in. And then I got to wait even longer just to get my bar card, the bar card. So every lawyer gets a card that has the, the your license number on it. It's a B, called a BBO card with a BBO number. And you have to write that BBO number on literally everything, all your court filings, everything, all plea agreements. If you're a defense attorney uh, or a, or a prosecutor, you've got to write your BBO number on everything. So I still waiting. I'm still waiting another two months just to just to be like legitimate in my field. So I remember saying to one of my friends who I'd went to law school with that had graduated, I said, "Hey, I don't want to do this uh, swearing. I just want to. I can go get sworn in anywhere, right? I can go to just to clerk magistrate or somewhere. I can just go get sworn in anywhere, right?" And he said, "No, listen. Go to the thing. So go to the. He said, go to the. Go to the. Um." ceremony at Faneuil Hall. Trust me, you're, it, you're gonna, you'll, ha- you'll love it. It's amazing. Trust me. It's, it's such a nice time. So I did. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll wait around. And so I went to the swearing in, we got a hotel the night before in Boston. My parents, my, you know, my parents, uh, my aunts and I got hotels at this, uh, Boston, um, this Boston hotel right near, uh, Faneuil Hall. You know, and we went into the actual Faneuil Hall, the Great Hall. We went into the actual Faneuil Hall, and it was Clerk uh, Maura Doyle, uh, the Supreme Judicial Court clerk. She was the basically the master of ceremonies. She wore this garb that was like some sort of classical garb, which they've always worn. And she had this amazing speech that she's probably said a, a thousand times over now because she's been the Supreme Supreme Judicial Court clerk since like I think the mid nineties. But she basically told the story about Faneuil Hall, about the Boston Massacre and the British troops that were on trial. And, you know, John Adams represented them. And, you know, he did it because, you know, it was his job to represent them. And there, even though the crowd was racuous, even though, you know, even though the crowd was racuous, even though, 
Um, you know, it was necessarily not something he particularly believed in. He did believe in the process of giving these people the defense that they were entitled to, the legal defense that they were entitled to. And so he did it. And so she talked a bit, you know, about the history of Faneuil Hall, the painting of Daniel Webster and his, um, you know, his, his uh, what's it called? Uh, second reply to what's his name? You know, the God, what's the senator's name from South Carolina? It's Daniel Webster's famous speech. It's it's the Daniel Webster's Daniel Webster was a was a senator from Massachusetts in the mid 18th, uh, the mid 17th, the sorry, the mid uh, 19th century. And he basically had this basically this speech that supported, uh, um, you know, national unity at a time where, you know, South Carolina was talking about nullifying you know, uh, saying that they're going to nullify federal law and all of that stuff. So she had this amazing speech and then she had the, a Supreme Judicial Court clerk came in and uh, because you have to get sworn in in an open session in court. So they had a Supreme Judicial Court clerk call in. He gave us some great advice, like, you know, always get a mentor to help you along and all of that. And so uh, so um, the 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 SJC clerk, uh, basically, he he you know, opened a session in court. Uh, a motion was presented to swear us in. That motion was allowed. And then we were sworn in. We were sworn in that day. We were sworn in that day as attorneys. And it was just like a really incredible day. I guess the reason I'm telling this story was I was remembering it fondly and I wanted to talk to, I wanted to, you know, just, I know there's lawyers in the audience and I just wanted to walk people through kind of what the process is to, to, to become a lawyer, not because I think like, oh, my God, it's so hard. You should give everybody that's a lawyer a hug and a, and a you know, and, a uh, you know, a present. It's just I thought it was, you know, I always get asked. I thought it was good to talk about. And so that was it. It's been eight years. Um, I definitely there's a lot of people that have never practiced law even after getting sworn in. And that's fine. They, you know, maybe get a job in policy. There's people that get jobs in policy and then go practice law. You think of Hugh Dunn. Um, there's people now that are just that went to UMass law that are in the state house. You look at, you know, Chris Hendricks. Um, so, uh, Chris Markey as well. He went to the UMass law's predecessor. So, um, and you know, I practiced law for about six, seven or so years. And then I ended up, uh, you know, as a solo practice attorney, um, I moved to the nonprofit sector, and now I'm I'm here every night. Uh, and I think without that experience, without the experience of of going into court every day, without standing before a judge, making an argument, getting yelled at sometimes, and you know, um, defending my clients, without that experience, I, I don't think you know this show would be what it is. I don't think I'd be the host that I am and and I think we do a pretty good job here and I'm grateful for the experience so it was really it's it's been quite a journey it's been quite a journey those those last eight years from you know like I said being a solo practice attorney to moving in the nonprofit sector to starting work starting my work here you know all the stuff all the types of law I've, I've practiced in I did you know, I did some MCAD discrimination law. I did mostly criminal law. I did some special education advocacy, right? I did some, I did, I did family law, which was definitely the worst. Um, but, uh, and some of it was great. Some of it was miserable, but it all was, it's all been such uh, an incredible journey um, that I just wanted to share that with you guys. So 
that's pretty much what I got to say about that. All right, uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. I'm going to take a break, and then we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris McCarthy will be back tomorrow. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM app. Hey, it's Data Court. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. Opening a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you. You can see if you are eligible to receive benefits, view spousal benefit estimates, and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits. Already receiving benefits? Use your account to change your address, set up or change direct deposit, get a proof of income letter, and more. In most states, you can also request a replacement Social Security card. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. The strength of America. Our values. Our way of life hasn't just been won on the battlefield. It's won every day in our communities when we come together, extending hands of compassion, service, and hope to those who need it most. For over 100 years, the American Legion has been strengthening communities across our nation by providing life-saving help and support to our veterans and neighbors during times like we're facing today. It's what the Legion's all about. From blood drives to distributing food, from responding to emergencies and protecting the most vulnerable among us, our mission is making America's communities stronger. We are one family, and therefore, we care. We are the American Legion, veterans strengthening America. To learn how you can help, visit legion.org. Your voice heard right now on South Coast Tonight. Call 508-996-0500 or send an app chat message on the WBSM app. Now, back to Chris and Marcus. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. So you might have you may have gotten the WBSM app chat notification that there will be a candidate announcing their candidacy here on South Coast Tonight for the Ward 3 special election to replace outgoing New Bedford City Councilor Hugh Dunn. Now, I think whoever runs in that race has some pretty big shoes to fill. I think Hugh's made his mark as a local legislator. And it's going to be Interesting to see, especially as elections have gotten a lot sleepier locally and in New Bedford in particular. I feel like they've gotten a lot sleepier over the last couple of years. I think the last city elections were 10% turnout, right? Before that, it was like 13. So it'll be interesting to see who comes forward in that special. I've heard some I've heard some uh speculation on whether or not if Mitchell goes 
then, you know, are they going to run two special elections at the same time? I don't think so. I think they've got to they've got to pull the trigger on on this one. And that one they might want to take more time on, I'd imagine. I'm not sure though. Maybe. You know, during an election year too, they could also vote not to order a special election and just have whoever the council president is at the time carry out that term and be the acting mayor or the council. If it's not the council president, then someone the council votes to be the acting mayor. They can just let that person. They did that in Boston last year when, you know, basically Marty Walsh got picked up uh, by the Biden administration and they were already having a mayoral election. And there were people that were on the city council at the time that were running in the mayoral election, Andre Campbell and um, Michelle Wu, right? And Kim Janey, who was the, who became the acting mayor because she was the council president. But they had voted basically not to, to let Mayor Janey finish out her term and to not do a special election. So that could also be a possibility is that they just let this, the, because they have an election coming up so soon, so close, that they just let whoever the council president is or the, um, whoever the council president is or whoever the city votes to be the acting mayor, the city council votes to be the acting mayor, I think it is a vote by charter, then that person could just fill out the term. They'd have a leg up, obviously, in the in the, um, in the mayoral election, but, you know, I mean, so did Kim Janey. It didn't work out for her, so we'll see. A lot of interesting stuff happening. A lot of, a lot of movement. Maybe the elections have been sleepy, but I think... I think all this, there might be more reason to be excited. So, okay. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. I'm going to take another break and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow. WBSM app is back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. So we'll have a Ward 3 resident announce their candidacy. In just a moment, really, right after the news. So if you're just tuning in because you got the app chat on the WBSM, I'm not the app chat, the app notification on the WBSM app, um, just on the other end of this news break will be a candidate announcing their intention to either run or I think maybe at least think about a run for Ward 3 City Council. So, um, again, we really, if you want to make an announcement that you're running, please call in at any time. We'll take you. All right? So 508-996-0500. See you on the other side of the news break with that candidate.